You pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. Welcome to the Midside, where we're looking forward to Disney's live action, Snow White, and the seven completely average non-binary human beings. I'm your host, Justin M. Wisniewski, the hopeful romantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said and ever will say on this show. It's amazing to a certain extent that amidst cancel culture and everything that's happened over the past couple of years that we've somehow survived to start the 10th season with this episode. That's right. We are back for the 10th year, which is really the 11th year because there was the lost season. I don't just mean an entire season talking about lost. I mean, we recorded six or so episodes way back in the day that have seen the ears of day once and now we're here in the official 10th season the 11th year and things have changed things have changed i am now recording in a larger closet because the (laughs) the the search for a place to live was very fruitful and with the way the housing market is in america and in florida in specific i knew we had to buy quickly because Everyone's moving here, and if we didn't buy, things would have gone up more, and I think we would have been unaffordable at that point. So now living in a three-bedroom, two-story townhouse uh, across the street from where we were before, but still down the road from Disney World in Orlando, Florida. So there you go. If you want to dox me and figure out exactly where I live, it shouldn't be that hard, especially because I'm going to figure out how to put like a Patriots flag outside or something. So I guess come find me, people on the internet, if you want to cancel me in real life. I don't know. That feels <laughs> kind of risky. That's, that but sounds very risky. <laughs> let's get on with it. Let's get on with it because I know while you missed hearing from us, there's an us in there. That's a plural pronoun. So I know you want to hear my co-host joining me this trip from Dale's Lawn, identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege, William Green. Hello, hello. I hope everyone enjoyed their break. Uh, we had, gosh, so much happened over the uh, over the break. And yet so many so things are exactly So much and nothing at same. all at the same exactly. time. And how much are exactly <laughs> the same? Yeah. Uh, it feels like we're, we're stuck in like uh, Groundhog Day, right? Uh, but yeah. Well, it's like going... sliders, right? It's like sliders <laughs> where in each universe, only one specific thing could always be happening. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. There's only one change, and you just got to figure it out each episode, right? Uh, yeah, things are going good. Um, uh, started a new kickball league a couple weeks ago. Uh, we're 2-0. and How about, what were you just saying about things not changing? Exactly. Hey, we're winning. That's change. That's the one change, oh. change in this universe. So 2-0, All right, I'll baby. take it. Yeah. So that's, that's good. That's got to be it. I, uh, I think that's a win for all of us at the beginning of 2022. We'll take it. Yeah, and uh, not not gonna uh, announce uh, the date quite yet, but we do have a date 
We're opening my new store up in Santa Rosa, California. So I'm super excited about that. Construction's well underway. Uh, that's another to- that's another sub shop, right? Yep. Yep. Well, I have a question about that. Sure. For you. The one in Long Beach. Now I've doxed you. Right. So people go to his store in Long Beach if you want to cancel him in real life. Oh, um, man. That's easier for you, I would presume, because you can be there. Yes. So are you just going to have to hire a general manager <laughs> to handle everything in Santa Rosa? Well, I already have a general manager, but my business partner and his wife are going to move up there. So, oh, they're going to uh, move up there. Yeah. Because oh, we want to open some more up there. If this one works out right. well, we will open a few more up there. So then you'll just have like a shift manager for each store. Well, we'll have a GM for each store, and then wow. Matt, uh, uh, my business partner, and I will be sort of like, well, we'll be the owners, obviously, but we'll act more like district managers, right, where we're checking in on the GMs. Yeah. That's so, interesting. But, yeah, that's the plan, man. It's, like, super exciting. It's been uh, somehow less stressful than when we opened Long Beach, but because uh, maybe because we've done Jeez, a lot of I things why. before. Yeah. And, uh, and Yeah. Uh, surprisingly similar amount of paperwork, but uh, a little less, a little less stressful. Fewer homeless people. Fewer homeless people. That's true. Uh, I'm hoping for fewer nine one one calls. I just, uh, I, I actually have behind me. I have the phone system. We use a VoIP system, uh, and uh, I'm setting it up here, and then I'll, I'll ship it up there when it's all configured. And I, you know, I have to put the location for nine one one because, uh, you know, when the homeless people invade, I have to uh, get the right nine one one system. So. Nine one one. Hoping that this will be a, less This is a needed. store. This is a store in Long Beach. Someone is not wearing a mask. Nine one one. Please get here immediately. Yeah. Uh, no, if it, it's usually a homeless person. That's usually, or sorry, uh, otherly housed. What are we supposed to say? I don't want to get canceled on the first show back in the season. Unsheltered. Uh, un, unsheltered. There we go. Uh, unsheltered, yeah, they're unsheltered. Because not, not everyone wants a home, William, and you have yeah. to respect that not everyone wants a home. They definitely just need not. Every, a shelter's drug. a human need. Yeah, definitely not using drugs or, you know, schizophrenia or, or some sort of mental disorder. Definitely not either of those, but just unsheltered. Yeah, have I have I mentioned the Baker Act on, on the show before? The Baker Act? I'm not sure. Well, this is a Florida thing I learned about. Oh, yeah. You can be held for up to 72 hours for psychiatric evaluation. Now, imagine if that was done in California with people. There wouldn't be as many people on the street because they would figure out what's going on with them, be able to treat them a little bit, and identify their families to get them help. Yeah, I bet there's something similar in California, but I bet you it's much harder to do. Yes, probably. That was what struck me about when I heard about the Baker Act. Yeah. Like someone can report you and then you get Baker Acted. And it's not no, like, I don't want to make it seem like people are in California would be like, oh, Florida man, man, it's so malicious. It's not a malicious thing. It's not a malicious thing to be like, hey, this person needs legitimate medical help. All right. So, William, you said a lot hasn't changed, and it's true. And we're going to talk about some of that. But some things have changed as well. So let's talk about that as well. All of it in Life on the Midside. Cause I'm on a roll here I hope that you're making some sense I hope that you throw up your hands And sing it and tell all the haters That they should 
As always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so by subscribing to Midside Plus. I'm just kidding. Look, <laughs> why is everything? Why is every Plus service? Why is every subscription service named Plus now? Have you noticed that? And I actually had a whole thing written about like Midside Minus, and the tagline was Midside Minus your money. And the point was you didn't get anything for it. Well, look, it's it's. These aren't subscription services, right? Patreon, local, they're not subscription services. This is just supporting us. You like our content? Throw us some support. If you don't like our content, uh, I don't know, throw us a mean tweet. I even I haven't even used Twitter or Instagram for the month. Like, I look at them very wow. sparsely. I deleted the apps. I only go through the website sometimes. All right, so, I mean, if you don't like us, just don't listen to us, right? But if you do like us, you go to Patreon. That's per episode. Locals is per month. TheMidside.com slash Patreon, TheMidside.com slash Locals. And of course, we appreciate any and all support, including affirmations, which is not an inv- in, in, uh, invitation to do the opposite of an affirmation. <laughs> all right, so things still being the same. William, how is this madness with COVID still going on? And the story that encapsulates all of this to me is I think it was Daniel who dropped it into our thread. He sent us a uh, our text thread. He sent us an article from Deadline where the mayor of Los Angeles, Eric Garcetti, took a picture with Magic Johnson at a Rams game, right? Because right now the Rams have a new stadium. They're in. The, they were in the uh, NFC Championship game, right? Oh no, they made the Super Bowl. They made the Super Bowl, and. Everyone's excited. So, of course, that's where all the L.A. socialites are going to be, right, with with the Rams. So there's a picture of Magic Johnson with Garcetti, and neither of them have masks on. So, of course, people are like, oh, why aren't you wearing a mask, Eric Garcetti? You're going to kill everyone. There's a bunch of pictures here when they're in their box together, you know, because, of course, they're in their box. He says... This is what Garcetti's answer was when a reporter asked him about it. He said, I'll take personal responsibility. And if it makes you and everyone else happy, or even the photographs with people where literally I'm holding my breath for two seconds, I won't even do that. So his claim as to why he wasn't wearing a mask is he held his breath for two seconds. Not to mention that there's also a picture of Magic Johnson with Gavin Newsom, right? Is it is that my imagination, dun, dun, dun. or is it is that Gavin Newsom with the hat on? I think it is. Yeah, and he's not wearing a mask either. He's not yeah, wearing a mask yeah. either. So I, I just it's so transparent to me, William, that all of these rules are in place. All of this COVID stuff is. So obviously at this point, just a rationalization for growing government. I don't know why anyone is putting up with it. I don't know why anyone who lives in a place where this is extreme follows the rules. And I don't know why, if you live in a place where these rules exist and these people have shown their hands, why you continue to live there. My question is, where is the line? Where is the line when you can move to any other number of states or countries? Just where is Canada. the line? Those poor yeah, Canadians. No, I mean, they have the honking going about, on right now. Jesus. Right. You want to talk about the extreme of it. Canada is the extreme of this, aren't they? Uh, yeah, yeah. They have uh, insurrectionists. Uh, and somehow it's Trump's fault. Uh, driving through Toronto <laughs> and honking horns. I'm serious. That's how they're framing it in Canada. It's crazy. 
They're calling them insurrectionists. That's the new playbook now. Uh, You know, BLM taking over government buildings. That was an insurrection. That was just a peaceful, mostly peaceful protest, right? Like fires in cities, mostly peaceful. Uh, Some uh, clowns uh, smash some uh, shit and walk around the Capitol building. Definitely an insurrection. Uh, Some truck drivers honk horns in Toronto and then don't stop when they're asked not to to stop. Uh, Clearly insurrectionists. And William, here's the thing about what you just said. People listening for the first time or even people listening for a bunch of times might be like, how did we jump from COVID to claiming people in Canada are insurrectionists so quickly? And what it is, is all about repetition. What? And I don't even want to say the left anymore. What people who are trying to control the culture do so well is they get in from the bottom from the beginning, and they shape people's perceptions by linking labels to what is going on. And most people do not think past their initial interaction with something. They take that, they file it in their brain as that's true. They don't question what they're told. They don't do more research. I I mean, I see it in class where I ask kids a question, they Google it, and whatever the first result is, they think that's the answer a student will then read that as if it's the answer. And it is very often not the answer. Or it's an answer that you have to come up with on your own. You know, ask an opinion-based question, they copy and paste text as if that answers it. When it's about literally what is your opinion. And that's the same thing here. January 6th, 2021. Labeled insurrection. So everyone thinks it's an insurrection. So now that concept can be taken and applied to what's going on in Canada. And it's the same thing with COVID, right? What do, what do they label people, right? Anti-vaxxer. Yep. The majority of people who have not taken the vaccine who are or who are against it are not anti-vaxxers. They're against this vaccine. But William, they get in on the ground floor here and they apply these labels and most people do not think past them. So they make a lot of cultural ground that way, which unfortunately nowadays you make the cultural ground and you make the scientific political ground as well. Yeah, absolutely crazy. Uh, I don't know. I, You know, you keep asking, Justin, what is the line? And here's the yes. thing. A lot of people like myself... Uh, are working from home. And the only time I have to worry about a mask is when I'm going to go to the grocery store or something, right? And so while... Uh, so I went after kickball. We went to a bar. That's the other time it it uh, shows itself. I had to show my COVID card, right? My COVID vaccine card in order to Ooh. get to the bar. Yeah. Uh I don't. Know I had how to show your longer. COVID vaccine card. Wait, no, I didn't. I I disavow <laughs> that comment. Uh, but there's like they've made it so that if you are complying, they've smoothed it out a bit, and so I think that's why you see such demonization for people who refuse to comply, right? It's a the the only ones left that are going to be protesting anything are going to look weird because of the way they've shaped the, the narrative. 
right? Well, right. And that's the thing Adam Carolla always talks about, right? Like there's this, there's this approach to it where it goes, oh, it's not a big deal. Just accept it. You know, it's, it's not a, it's a minor inconvenience. Just accept it. Well, he always talked about the, the non-smoking thing, right? With, with smokers in, in, in restaurants. Yep. Well, first it was, there's a smoking section. Then it was, you have to smoke outside. Now it's, you can't be within a certain number of feet of the building. And it's the same exact thing with taxes. This is what California loves to do, right? Oh, it's only a five cent tax on your utility bill. It's only a 10 cent tax to use plastic bags. But if you're being hit with all of these taxes in all of these different places, that adds up. You're nickel and diming. It's like if you have a $5 Starbucks, which is cheap for Starbucks, every day, let's say five days a week, that's 25 bucks. That's 100 bucks a month. Well, think about that culturally. If you let every little thing slide. So that's why I ask where the line is. And also because I'm trying to tee you up to play the drop from Star Trek First Contact, which I don't think you have. Can't, I can't play a drop that I don't have. Ah, you know what line I'm talking about, this though, This far, right? no further. Yeah. Yes. I can't do my, can't do my Picard accent this early in the morning. But yeah. Great scene. Even the chat knows it. Even the Discord knows it. We need to get that drop. All right, I'll get, All right, I'll get our on. crack producers on it. Let's move on to something that has changed. Unfortunately, air flight continues to change. Fly continues to change. And this was actually sent by, uh, sent in by uh, Midsider uh, Lucid Fitzpatrick, who is listening in the Discord today, that uh, I think he put it very well, where he said, they keep making flying even more inconvenient. And I honestly, I think it's because, William they know they have a captive audience. Like it's the best way to get somewhere, right? If you want to fly cross country, you're not going to take a train. You're not going to drive. So they can offer you less for more money because they know you have no other option. Now you have the different airlines and that's why we'll see what happens with American airlines here. They have decided to, cut service in the cabins. So apparently the flight attendant union didn't want to have as much service because, you know, they feel vulnerable walking up and down the cabins because of COVID. And this is where I have my, my air quotes going on that you can't see because this is an audio program. But because of that, that's their rationalization. Now, as again, I'm going to reference Adam Carolla, as I think he correctly states with many teachers unions, they'll use any excuse to not teach in the same way kids will use any excuse to not go to school right when you were a kid william and you heard it was going to snow the next day even if it snowed an inch didn't you want a snow day of course yeah right right exactly well <laughs> yes i was not going outside on a snow day but i understand what you're saying i think there's a little bit of that going on here or a lot yeah. of that going on here with these flight attendants for instance in in coach They don't want to have a beverage service. They just want to have serve a meal and you get your beverage then. Uh, Isn't this insane, William, that they're trying to make things as uncomfortable as possible? I mean, is this people being lazy? Is it narcissism where they're not thinking about the customers, even though that's their job? Or is there a difference between the two? 
the the laziness and the narcissism. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's such a. I mean, airlines are much smaller margin than people realize, right? And so cutting every like penny is like so important, especially now that there's no business travel, right? I, I, I mean, business travel is greatly reduced because of COVID, right? And this That's a great point. push towards uh, telework. So right. it's surprising in a way, but it sort of makes sense in that context. Like basically they, they've gotten rid of first class is basically what it comes down to, right? Like, like there's no difference. Maybe the legroom and that's it. And they're not, you know, they're not going to s- provide services uh, uh, all uh, presumably in the name of COVID, just like, you know, hotels, they're not going to clean your hotel unless you ask in the name of the environment. Right. It's not, well, that's not why they class do that, right? Impressive. It's cost, right? It's the same thing here. I, they're, they're saying this, they're saying they're doing these things for COVID. This is just all cost cutting. Well, and I think that's the way that listening to the union helps the corporation, right? Yeah, in this case, yeah. Well, yeah. at least for those couple things. I mean, some of the other ones sound kind of ridiculous, but like, it, I don't know. It, it, what? Why would you pay extra money now for first class? What do you? What are you even going to get anymore? So then, does this benefit? spirit airlines and frontier airlines the most because why would you pay for any normal airline where you can just pay for them and then pay for any upgrades you want yeah southwest is you know laughing all the way to the bank i mean they do a lot of business travel so i'm sure they're getting hit by that too by that decrease in business travel but like what like why fly why splurge on a like first class upgrade or pay for a seat with economy plus, which has an extra three quarters of an inch of leg room. Um, when you can just get a flat price, right? Spirit does that. I think Southwest do that. It does that frontier. Yeah. So I don't, yeah, I don't think I, this is a, we're seeing two business models and one is falling apart because it was propped up by business travel and it's, it's falling apart. Well, and that's, I mean, I hate to say that that's just part of, the world that's part of reality as things change because these things are changing because of an irrational uh, policy. So that kind of sucks for the airline, right? Yeah, it does. Uh, Midsider lucid just said he's visiting Florida next weekend. He's looking forward to being here. And I said here, cause that's where I am. And, but he's not looking forward to getting here. Well, and I felt that way for a long time. I mean, I intentionally, William, I fly red eyes if I'm flying a long period of time, because let's not forget this goes all the way back to remember that season where the guy was squealing like a pig when they took him off the plane. Yeah. Yeah. It all goes all the way back to them. Like being on a plane with other people is not pleasant. Like I picked the aisle because if I have to use the bathroom, I don't want to have to climb over other people and stuff because they do not like, like they act like it's an inconvenience to get out of your way to use the yep. bathroom. like, And then there are people who take forever in the bathroom and there are people who just stand in the aisle and being on a plane is already not fun before all of these things because of the other travelers. And I don't, I'm not saying that in a way where that sounds like I'm the narcissist, right? I'm not saying having other people on the plane isn't fun. That used to be fun back in the day where you meet new people and everyone's excited to go to the same place. But now it's just other people are miserable it's like they fly, but then 
they just suffer. They act like they're suffering the whole time. Yeah. And now they're making them suffer, which doesn't help things any. (laughs) All right. Another thing that's changed, William, and I know people are are waiting for us to talk about this here in the midside is Tom Brady, after 22 seasons, has finally announced his retirement from the NFL. A bunch of stuff came out. There were rumors. He kind of half denied them. And then he made an Instagram post where he said a bunch of, you know, goodbyes and thank yous to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as that is the team he's currently on. We'll get to that in a second, because that's part of the farce here. But before we get to the farce, I think we need to take a moment to reflect on the era, I think, in human history that has just ended. And I want to do so by reading a comment from uh, midside guest Kirk Wilcox. He left it in the Discord. This is what he said. Just want to drop in to give a shout out to Justin, who back in September encouraged me to splurge on a ticket to watch Tom Brady play against the Rams in Los Angeles. One ethical dilemma that I think many people struggle with is the decision between being financially responsible and securing financial independence versus spending money on enjoying life. Tom Brady is the greatest player ever at his position and is in a class of legendary athletes like Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky, Mike Tyson, Tiger Woods, and Babe Ruth. I knew back in September that I did not have many more opportunities to see Brady play professional football in person, and I was debating with myself over whether or not I should spend hundreds of dollars to enjoy the luxury. Justin told me to do it. The ticket price after taxes and fees was over 400 parentheses, I wanted a good seat, and combining that with transportation to the stadium concessions, I spent over 500 Today, I am $500 poorer than I was in September, but I got to enjoy an experience that now... 25 million could not buy. I, I honestly, I don't know if any amount of money could buy, could buy that nowadays, Kirk. I mean, Brady's rich. His wife is rich. What would you have to pay him to play again? Which is to watch the greatest player of all time play professional football. First of all, I'm glad that my advice worked out. Uh, I'm glad that Kirk found it valuable. But to me, this is a perfect example of experiences. And, you know, the, the stereotypical millennial thing is like, I don't live for, you know, financial stability. I live for, you know, experiences. And I think many of the experiences they, they post about are well, what I just said. They're for posting. They're not actually experiences. It's about, all about showing other people. But when we look here, this is a real legitimate experience that's worth having. And when what's the point of having money? And what's the point of having savings and having any amount of stability if you're doing it just to have more money? You know, as Francisco de Anconia says in Atlas Shrugged, written by Ayn Rand, money is a tool. Money is a tool to be able to live your life and, and support your values and, and celebrate your values and enjoy, enjoy your values. And I think this is a perfect example of it. To me, Spending $500 to see Tom Brady play in his final season, if you've never seen him play before, is well worth the money. Hey, that might be worth the money for me. 
I mean, I was looking at, I had never seen him play in Raymond James, the Buccaneers stadium. I'd seen him, of course, play many, many times at Gillette, right, in AFC championship games and regular season games. I mean, there are some moments that are seared into my memory of watching him play in Foxborough Stadium even. And I still considered going to a Monday night game in, in Tampa Bay just to have the experience. The tickets were like $300 a pop, though. Looking back, do I regret it? No. It's not like with the amount of times I've seen him play that see, not seeing him again breaks my heart. But if somebody had told me it was the end of the season, that might have pushed me over the edge to pay that little bit extra money. The way I look at things, William, and make decisions like this is I would look at the, the cost of 500 and I would say, is $500 going to make or break my life in the next 10 years. And if my answer is no, and the trade I'm getting is I get to see not only the greatest quarterback, the greatest football player, but I'll say it, the greatest professional athlete of my lifetime play to me, that's a worthwhile trade. Mm. I mean, let's not kid ourselves here. I don't even want this to be a debate I don't think it's even worth debating when you look at on the field statistics, when you look at the way he led his team, when you look at winning, when you look at never being out of any game. I mean, in his final game, William, Tom Brady was down 27 to three. The Buccaneers were down 27 to three to the Rams and he brought them all the way back. Then the defense let the team down and they lost by a field goal and the Rams went on to the NFC championship game and then subsequently the Super Bowl. That's in the final game he ever played. Yeah. I, I don't think you can argue that this guy is the greatest professional athlete of all time. And $500, that is not a lot of money to pay, especially going to a new stadium, a good seat in the newest stadium in the country. That's, I think Kirk will cherish that memory for the rest of his life. I will cherish Kirk telling me about the rest of the memory for my life. That that memory for the rest of my life. I don't. That might be secondhanded. I don't even know. But that's that's the era we're we're getting out of here, William. You know, it's uh, I've I've talked to a couple uh, friends of mine. Uh, one friend of mine just got a big promotion at work, and you know, it's making more money, and is. It was having exactly this kind of conversation of like, well, you know, like, obviously I want to be independent. You know, this is like great. It'll like, you know, 12 months from now, you know, because I'm I'm getting this raise, you know, over 12 months, I'll be like, you know, way more stable than I've ever been. Uh, but uh, he had a similar sort of dilemma where he's like, but I could spend, I, I could spend this little bit of money now and enjoy it, but I would feel bad about it. And I, I literally had this conversation. Like it was like, uh, three or four weeks ago, literally had this conversation with this exact conversation that you just had of like, Hey, like you can still be responsible, but like the whole reason you make money is to enjoy life. And so that doesn't mean leave, live, uh, hedonistically. Right. But you've earned it. I think that's really what, what it comes down to, right? Like you've earned it and, and make sure that it's worth it. Make sure that it's, Connected to your values, right? Value dense purchase is what I uh, what I said. It sounds a little more clinical than uh, than the way uh, Kirk put it, but yeah, I think 
But zooming back out, uh, wow. Like, uh, I've seen Tom Brady play since college, mostly on television, uh, but basically almost all of my adult paying attention to football. And it's so strange uh, that he will not be a part of the NFL next year. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it's quite an accomplishment and it's, uh, I'm glad, I, I'm glad to have enjoyed it and, uh, and, and been able to see it and experience it. Um, and like you said, the people are going to, people are going to look back and talk about Tom Brady forever, right? As long as there's people talking about the NFL. His name is always going to be remembered as uh, as one of the one of the best players of all time. Yeah, it's interesting you say your adult life paying attention to football because I would say it is my entire adult life if you define it as eighteen years old, right? Because think of when he won his first Super Bowl when he started starting for the Patriots. Yeah, yeah. right. It was that my first year of college. Now, I, of course, remember football, and I remember the Patriots from before then. You know, my first ever Patriots game live was in fifth grade, right? It was actually, ironically, Drew Bledsoe's first preseason game. So, you know, I've been there beforehand, but it's not the same. And watching Brady play and watching Belichick coach at such a high level brought me a different understanding and joy for football, and what... I'm most interested seeing going forward is will that remain? Because it was such a high level. It was such a high level for so long that it became difficult at time to watch college. It became difficult to watch other NFL games because the amount of times teams make basic mistakes, they make mistakes that hurt themselves it's tough to watch. And then the strategy, I mean, I don't know if you watched any of the playoff games, William, but the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, not taking that field goal before halftime, that's difficult for me to watch. Yeah. Because it's, you're paid millions of dollars. You're Patrick Mahomes. You're Andy Reid. You've won a Super Bowl before. Andy Reid's been to, what, the AFC Championship game now four times in a row, and he went to the NFC Championship game four times in a row? It's not like he hasn't been coaching in these high-pressure situations and at the highest level of competition for a long time, yet the mistake still happens. Was Andy Reid just giving Patrick Mahomes a long leash and Mahomes hung himself? I don't know. But it's hard for me to watch something like that. Because to me, that's something you shouldn't do as a professional. To me, yeah. that's really, really basic. That if I saw that in high school, I'd be like, okay, that's a high school kid learning. But to see a professional team doing that with a chance to go to the Super Bowl on the line, and I could depend on that not happening with the Patriots. I don't know going forward what's going to happen now. I don't know. The other thing I'd like to touch on with this story is a controversy that I think is a non-controversy, but 
is a perfect example of the issue with social media. So Tom Brady in his Instagram post only mentioned the Buccaneers. I don't think that's a big deal. He left the Patriots two years ago, played for them for 20 years. He wrote a long, do you remember in the Players' Tribune or the Athletic or whatever that was? I think it was the Players' Tribune. He wrote that long post about his time in New England, right? When he came back and played yeah. in, in, in Gillette in the fall, he had a lot of things to say. So he's already said a lot of things to them. But when he retired, he said it to the team he's retiring from, right? He's on the Buccaneers. Yet still, many, many Patriots fans online, I want to be clear, nobody has said anything to me in real life about this, online are very, very angry and they're taking it personally. Oh, he didn't mention the Patriots. He hates the Patriots. He hates Belichick. He hates Robert Kraft. And then, of course... The media is jumping in on this. I mean, former Patriots player Scott Zolak, who's usually pretty good, apparently the New York Post reported that he slammed Brady as cold and calculating for snubbing the Patriots in his retirement post. This is absolutely absurd to me, William. Why does everything have to be a controversy nowadays? Is it literally (laughs) just because, A, people are narcissists and they need it to be about themselves and they need to feel slighted because we have victim culture and B that's how the media gets clicks and views. I think it's those things. I think, I think it comes with the, uh, the tribalism that's, you know, inherent in sports and, uh, not saying the tribalism itself is a good or a bad thing, but, uh, cause it's certainly part of the enjoyment, but, uh, yeah, they're, but, okay. Like take the history out of it for a second. It's like, a quarterback on another team retires and we feel snubbed, right? Like, it's like, right. okay. Like, it's like, okay, like, he's not on your team anymore. Like, right. And that's exactly I, how I feel. Like, I've moved on to Mac Jones. Like, I closed the book on Brady. And actually, William, here's the thing that's crazy about what you just said about the tribalism and everything. I agree with you. I'm not saying that point is crazy. I'm saying the application of the tribalism. The way they're doing it is crazy. One, it benefits Patriots fans that he only played two years with the Buccaneers. Because you can look at what happened and be like, okay, it was only two years. We had to move on because we moved on when we did. We got Mac Jones. It was a worthwhile trade. Brady got to go to a stacked team and get his Super Bowl. And it was a COVID year. So, of course, that benefited benefited Brady. It's just he will be more remembered as a Patriots fan now than if he played five years for the Buccaneers. And then the second thing is the Buccaneers are now screwed. Yeah. Who are they going to have a quarterback? You want to talk about how absurd it is? I've already had a Buccaneers fan tell me they want to get Aaron Rodgers. So now they think that every time they lose an all pro hall of fame quarterback, they could just sign another one. That's the mentality they're in now because oh, who are they going to have starting Kyle Trask? Now don't get me wrong. I don't hate Trask. He was good at Florida. But is he as good as Mac Jones or is he just Jarrett Stidham, who I wanted to believe in and has since obviously faded, right? He obviously proved not to be good. I proved to be wrong, but that's what they're going to go through with Kyle Trask, right? So if you're doing tribalism, isn't this the time to say, you know, ironically, sarcastically, almost condescendingly, thank you to the Buccaneers because they're taking on the burden we would have if we had Brady play with us till the end of his career, All we had was one down year. It's up from now if Mac Jones keeps developing, and I believe he will. He's in the Pro Bowl now. He won a skills competition in the Pro Bowl. Yeah. 
So well, ironically, Justin, it comes down to this: Who do you think will win a Super Bowl first, the Patriots again, or the Buccaneers again? Right. If I had to bet, what would you yeah. bet? I would. I would bet the Patriots would. Right, especially with Bill Belichick and Mac Jones. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Now, if they sign Aaron Rodgers, that changes, but that's not a long-term sustainable strategy. Continually, right. they're not all that's they're not always going to have a disagreement with their teams and leave these all-pro quarterbacks. I mean, I guess, I guess there is a certain appropriateness that a team in Florida is trying to become the place for all-pro quarterbacks to transition into retirement. <laughs> that's true see i thought you were gonna go you know all poor uh, all pro quarterbacks wanting to you know get some get some extra freedom i thought you were gonna go in that direction but you went in the retirement direction so i think both are well it's both right i mean wouldn't it kind of make sense if aaron Rodgers came to florida yeah i think it would I mean, with all his vaccine talk and now he wants to retire soon, it would make sense. So yeah, maybe, uh, hey, lines right up. context matters. Maybe the Buccaneers become the place for quarterbacks to leave their team and spend a few years and retire and they just keep rotating that way. I could see that. Every team has different strategies. Maybe that's their long-term strategy. But that relies on establishing a really strong brand and culture that will not change based on the personnel who are there. Yeah, which is a much harder thing to do. Right. And the ultimate point is Patriots fans. There's nothing to be mad about. I mean, I really want a bro here. Bro, we want a six Super Bowls. What are you upset about? What are you upset about? And of course, what I'm saying, what are you upset about, William? We have to talk about this really farcical story that happened, right? <laughs> We Self. shall never, uh, 10 seasons, 11 years, we shall never reach peak farce. Oh, never, never reach peak farce. And we always have to say thank you to Midsider Elliot for bringing us that, right? Because remember, yeah. he, he thought there was peak farce where it was the uh, the kid who tried to poison his mother for taking away his cell phone. And he was like, yeah. I think we've reached peak farce. And then ever since it's always been, no, there's no such thing as peak farce. <laughs> so this one is... A headline that says, these don't weigh me cards are game changing for doctor's appointments. So the basic concept is you get a card and you bring it to the doctor and it says on the card, please don't weigh me unless it's really medically necessary. If you really need my weight, please tell me why so that I can give you my informed consent. Now, the reason they're saying that people should have these cards is it's triggering to be weighed in front of another human being to which I say, um, I'd love to see these people just watch a weigh in for a high school wrestling tournament. Oh man. Talk about stressful <laughs> <laughs> because they literally just line everyone on the mat up by weight. And then the rest check all their weights. And if they don't make weight, they either have to bump up or if it's a tournament, like for the state series, right? District regionals or the states themselves, you don't even get to wrestle if you miss weight. So talk about anxiety, right? Anyway, the point is they don't want to be triggered by having to be weighed in front of another person. So they're claiming it's not medically necessary. This is absolutely insane, William, because 
they're defining medically necessary as having an immediate emergency problem. The point of weighing yourself every year is to track trends so the doctor can have more data to uh, diagnose and treat you. Treat you is the word I was looking. Treat you overall over your lifespan. One of the things that is most unhealthy about my lifestyle is that I have moved around a lot, lived in different states, and haven't had consistent medical care. I don't know if my record has gone with me, right? I don't know anything about that. I probably should get that taken care of because it's important to have this data overall. It's important to imagine William saying, don't do my blood work unless it's really medically necessary because I have anxiety of needles. Okay. How are they going to track your cholesterol overall? How are they going to track your insulin levels overall? If they don't have a year by year or, you know, for something like blood work, every few years data to track. And as you get older, don't they do these things more frequently because problems are more likely to arise? To me, this story is a perfect example of privileging your emotions and your mental weaknesses over everything else in your life, and it literally inhibits your quality of life. Yeah, uh, I, I we we had a nice discussion in uh, uh, Discord about this. Uh, Lucid Fitzpatrick and I were talking. If you want to push back against anything, let's push back against BMI. Right? It's completely bullshit. Uh, I've been uh, obese all of my life. In order to not be obese. I would have to weigh such a ridiculously low amount for my frame and build that I I I jokingly say I would have like I would be diagnosed with cancer, right? Like I would have some like wasting disease if if I did not was not overweight on the BMI scale with my William, You must look like you were in a concentration camp. Yeah, yeah. To be <laughs> to be considered healthy in the BMI. So I, hey, if you want to push back against that, cool, right? But yeah, weight the weight itself, right? Like, if that's triggering to you, I don't know what to say. Like, you've got you're gonna have a lot of problems with your health if you can't even look at objective measures without being triggered. Right. Well, it's second-handed. It's second-handed because they're worried about the other person judging them without looking at their own lifestyle. Right. That was one of the things. Oh yeah, because you... it's it's un it's healthy at any weight, right? Right. You can weigh 500 pounds and be healthy, according to them. Right. Right. So they want to be able to have whatever lifestyle they want. And they don't want to more than that. They you can have whatever lifestyle you want, but that doesn't make you immune from the consequences and other people's judgment. Justin, right? what, what they want to do is it's not that they want to convince themselves that they're healthy. They want to force you to say that they're healthy. Right, which it's then so it's it's like so cluster B sort of personality shit. Like it's just it's so manipulative, right? Like they want to manipulate you into telling them they're healthy, right? Tell you, oh, weight doesn't matter, right? Weight doesn't matter. Yeah, when they really want, when we're talking want, about weight, good. I was gonna say they want the lie to come from your mouth, not from theirs. Yes. Well, right, and that's the second-handed part of it, right? Is they they want to hear it, and if they hear it externally, it validates them in their mind. Yeah, exactly. It's and again, it's 
it's so ostrich head in the sand that it's insane. Right? I mean, as I replied to you guys in Discord, it's all about body comp. Right? It's all about body composition. And nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about that. That happened to me too. I had a doctor in California tell me because I'm near the high end of the body. You know, when you go to the BMI calculator, it says my weight should be between 115 and 154 pounds. Jesus. Right? So, and I'm at around 150. I can honestly, I can weigh under 154. I mean, I can weigh over 154 depending on what I eat. You think yeah. if I eat a, an 18 ounce steak, I'm not over? No, I was trying to imagine pounds. you at 115. That, that was the Jesus for me. Like, goddamn. You have to cut off your. Well, I did wrestle 119 pounds in high school, though I was probably a little shorter. But yeah, I mean, I, w- I had no muscle mass, right? And that was why it was funny. Like he told me, he's like, "Don't gain any more weight." It's like, well, what if I want my body composition to be a certain way? I mean, aren't there there are NFL running backs who are like five six, five eight, and weigh like two twenty, two two fifty, right? Maurice Jones Drew a few years ago, right? Or back yeah. in the day, I don't know how long it was. Like, is he obese? You know, according to BMI, sure. Yeah. So the don't weigh me cards, like, are we just going to have these cards for everything? You know, don't weigh me card, you know, don't give me homework card, right? Don't, don't charge me interest card, right? Uh, Don't, don't, don't charge me for late rent card. I mean, Dude, it's, 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 uh, don't forget the pronouns, right? Like, this is connected to the pronouns, too, right? So, I don't want, I don't want, it's not about how I see myself. I want to force you to see me in a certain way, right? Right. 100%. And, you know, maybe everyone ends up carrying these cards around, right? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's there's a lot of pronouns, Justin. That's a lot of cards to carry around. Right. It's like a poke, a whole Pokemon deck of cards, right? Because you can change your pronoun as often as you want. <laughs> you know what would happen is there would literally be, there would literally be William people who stole. <laughs> Don't ask my vest back status card is what Lucid just said in the chat. Yeah, you think we could have that, right? It said it's the opposite. You have to show a card for your back status. That's interesting too. It's it's all connected. See. But you would literally, William, have people collecting the cards, stealing yeah. them from people. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I got a ZZ card. What do you have? And they'd, they'd have values. That would happen. I'm not even kidding. All right. Um, any look, other final notes here? No, nope, no. Nope, but I've got our next product idea for the, uh, the Midside Store. Pronoun cards. All right. Various, various victim status cards. All right. Let me talk about the biggest movie ever, which came out while we were on break. I'll do it in the hopeful bromantic. Put me into syndication, broadcast to a network station of people viewing their favorite episodes. I can't find a new pitch to throw the studio. I need a rerun to better cast the next series of events. In the air timeline lapse, my made for TV type was written off. In the last season when I wasn't focused on. As always, if you'd like to continue the conversation with us during the week after you listen to the episode or during, we'll reply. We won't know what point you're at in the episode, but you can say stuff and we'll reply to it. You can do so by joining the Discord. As you've already seen, we were on break, but still, or heard, sorry, it's an audio program. As you heard, we were 
on break, but listening to the Discord, interacting to the Discord while we were on break. And we've been interacting with the Discord while recording this episode. So go ahead to the midside.com or the midside.com slash podcast. Click on any episode link, and then there'll be a join Discord link in there. We'd love to have you become a midsider by joining the Discord. I'm going to ask you, William, because everybody right. else has apparently seen it. Have you seen Spider-Man No Way Home? I have not. Good job. Look, <laughs> everyone's gushing see... about it, and I'm just like, I'd rather rewatch Arcane. You had to throw that in there, didn't you? Did. The only thing I watched on Netflix is Cobra Kai season four. I believe it was season four. Phenomenal. Cobra Kai keeps getting better. But this isn't a review about Cobra Kai. Uh, This is Spider-Man No Way Home. And look, I'm not going to sit here and say this is a terrible movie. It's not the worst movie I've ever seen. It's Marvel. You know what you're getting with Marvel. And that's both the strength and the problem. So straight up front, I'm going to give you my rating for it. And that's just a solid bro right in the middle. Look, you're not going to hate this movie if you see it. And spoilers... There's it's walkers in the cool. barn and Lori's pregnant. Thank you, William. It's cool seeing the three Spider-Man together, right? It's cool seeing Andrew Garfield, Tom Holland, and Tobey Maguire together. That's cool. And it's cool seeing Tobey Maguire and Willem Dafoe back again. The number one thing this movie did was convince me that the first Spider-Man is the best movie. The best yeah. Spider-Man movie. I mean, <laughs> William Dafoe is amazing. I... I love that movie. I've always loved it. It makes me want to go back. Not that I have time or I will, but it makes me want to go back and watch the first two and make sure my analysis is correct. Cause everyone talks about how good Spider-Man two is William, but I love the first Spider-Man more. What about you? Yeah. I mean, it's been a long time. So like maybe it's like nostalgia glasses, but yeah, the first one was the first one was good. It was fun. Like I, I just have fond memories of the first one. Right. Now, this one, it's interesting you say nostalgia glasses. I think the real only way to love this movie is if you have those nostalgia glasses on. Because even the way they bring in Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire is really fucking lame. And I, I swear to emphasize it. I mean, literally, Ned, his friend, is has Doctor Strange's ring to, uh, you know, Tom Holland's Tom Holland's Peter Parker's friend. You have to say that in this movie. And he's just, he's like, show me Spider-Man. And like a circle appears and there's Andrew Garfield standing on a random street. That's the way they bring him in. They could have brought, if these universes are colliding, they could have brought these two Spider-Man in any way possible. And that's how they do it. It's just the laziest way of bringing them in. Likewise, there's a scene where they're both talking. Andrew and Toby are both talking. You know, Garfield and Maguire are are, are both talking about how their backs hurt. Typical Marvel humor. But beyond that, right, because when we talk here in the midside, we talk about what movies are about. The entire conceit of the movie is altruistic. They take this idea of with great power comes great responsibility to mean altruism. Right. With great power comes great responsibility means if you are able to to do great things, you have a responsibility to try your hardest to achieve. And the person you are responsible to is yourself for it. That's what with great power comes great responsibility, right? Tom Brady 
had the responsibility to try and win the Super Bowl. But if we applied what happens in the Spider-Man movie to him, he'd failed at being a hero because he didn't use his platform and use his abilities to sacrifice himself for other people. And what I mean by that is in this movie, Tobey Maguire, not Tobey Maguire, sorry. In this movie, Tom Holland, that's how much I just like the Tobey Maguire movies. Tom Holland's Spider-Man wants Doctor Strange to make a world where everyone forgets where he is. But that causes all the universes to start imploding, the multiverse to start implode. And all these villains come back, but it's the moment before they died. So Tom Holland realizes, I need to save these people. So even though, William, these are all villains, and they're at the end of their stories in these multiverses, in these universes, Tom Holland decides he has to save them. And the end of the movie is, in order to save them, he has to make everybody forget who he is. His girlfriend, Zendaya, you know, their MJ, Ned, Right, all of the Avengers and everything, the entire world forgets who he is. Okay. So the villains can be saved and redeemed. Because he could have fixed the multiverse problem by just sending all the villains back and killing them, you know, they would have gone back to their death. But he didn't want to do that. He didn't want to send them back to their deaths. I mean, that's completely abhorrent, is it not? Yeah, it's like the inverse of uh, kill Hitler, let's kill Hitler. It's let's save Hitler. Right. It's weird. Because just because he's a human being. Right. If It's like if you took Hitler the moment before he committed suicide, pulled him out of that universe, and then found a way to save him. And the only way to save him was to make your life worse by making everyone in your life forget who you are. Yeah. Crazy. Because these are supervillains. Supervillains. There was a whole part of the movie where he's trying to fix all the villains, too. It's just... It's just like a girlfriend. That's the stereotypical, like, girlfriend, uh, you know, high school girlfriend, right? I can fix him, right? Yeah. So, look, again, the way this is executed, you're not going to hate it. It's Spider-Man. You get to see the old two Spider-Man. But ultimately, it's a hollow movie that won't stand the test of time. It's real. I don't know, William. It's really, really hard for me to watch superhero movies after seeing Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yeah. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk about movies that are going to come out every week. I put the trailers that we're going to talk about in the Discord so you can watch the trailers. We talk about them or, you know, we talk about the trailers. You watch them or maybe you alternate, you know. We watch it. You watch a trailer. We talk about it. So on and so forth. Trailer takedown. First trailer. Dinosaur Cove was an exclusive trailer for ComingSoon.net slash trailers. That's where I get all the trailers for the show. By the way, I mean I obviously see a lot of movies, and then I go search out trailers for some of those. But then if I need trailers, I go to ComingSoon.net slash trailers, and they have a lot of exclusive ones there. Dinosaur Cove is a family movie. They posted there a a kid and his dad move to a town a beach town called dinosaur cove the dad is trying to finish his novel yet he can still afford a really fancy beach house i don't know how that's possible unless he's (laughs) already a successful writer 
But the this kid's like, why is this called Dinosaur Cove? Well, it turns out there's secret dinosaurs in Dinosaur Cove, specifically one pterodactyl. Now, here's the thing, William. I like the premise of this movie. This is kind of a cool, like, kid's premise, right? How cool would it have been as a kid to go to a town and there's dinosaurs there, right? Yeah. Now, it'd actually probably be a lot scarier than you realize, but the execution of this is terrible. This is the problem of technology is available for everyone. Everyone can make movies, which is a great thing. But the problem is a lot of people don't have good taste and they're not self-aware enough to know that they shouldn't. What I mean by this is just look at the name Dinosaur Cove. If you're going to hide a secret town with dinosaurs in it, why would you name it Dinosaur Cove? Even in a kid's movie. Right, I get it. It's marketable. Oh, I want to see Dinosaur Cove. You could see it in a theme park, right? Dinosaur Cove. But think about the difference between that and Jurassic Park. They didn't call it Dinosaur Park, right? They didn't call it Velociraptor Park. T-Rex Park. T-Rex Park, right? It's just, it's, it's terrible naming. And that resonates throughout the whole trailer. The acting is terrible in this trailer. The directing is middling. As much as I like this concept a lot. I like it a lot. The execution is terrible. Tackle. Ugh, tackle. Yeah, the the you talk about the technology being available. The dinosaur doesn't look that bad, but man, does everything else look bad? Like, the, <laughs> the acting looks bad. Like the the we set design hire looks bad. Actors, because we needed a CGI pterodactyl. Exactly. I think they spent all their money on that shit. It's not good. <laughs> not good. Tackle. Tackle. Second trailer. A Day to Die is a movie starring Bruce Willis, which is why I picked it. Except I have no fucking idea why Bruce Willis is in this trailer. So He's holding um, a gun. Spoiler. That's the only <laughs> reason. He's holding. I don't think he shot the gun. I, I... <laughs> so it sounds like it might be a diehard movie, right? It's like every movie with Bruce Willis now, they somehow try to make it seem like you know, remember a good day to die hard. Now it's a day to die. They're just like, oh, let's make it named similar to die hard. Anyway, this movie starts Kevin Dillon and his pregnant wife is kidnapped. And it seems like someone's trying to get him to pay back two millions in gambling fees that he gambling debt that he never paid back. And then he gets Frank Grillo to help him. But then there's a scene with Frank Grillo talking to Bruce Willis. But then there's also a, a scene with Bruce Willis talking to the, the crime boss or whatever. Except it's unclear what any of these scenes are. I don't know. I felt like this is what I felt like, William. And this is a feeling. This is not a thought. I just felt like they intentionally were not putting something in this trailer because it's a twist in the movie or something. And it's the only way this trailer would have made sense. Because as it stands, like this, it seems like Bruce Willis doesn't need to be in this trailer. Like, you could do this movie and it would look cool. Like, Kevin Dillon and Frank Grillo fight back against an evil mobster trying to get his gambling debt back and kidnaps a pregnant lady. And at which point I'd be like, that sounds awesome, but, like, you're the one who was the dumbass and who didn't pay the gambling debt back, and $2 million is a lot of money, although that doesn't excuse kidnapping a pregnant lady, right? So there's a lot that's going... But my point is, that premise is interesting without Bruce Willis. I have no idea why he's in this movie. But because it's Bruce Willis and because it would be interesting without him, this is something that I wouldn't go to theaters to see unless there was nothing else there. But, you know, if this is streaming, 
I'll give this a chance to see what the fuck's going on. Netflix and hug. Netflix and hug. So, it has my requirements for action movie, Guns and Explosions. Well, like I said, like, it, it looks like it could be a decent action movie. <laughs> yeah, it could be. I was equally as confused. Uh, <laughs> uh, not to spoil my uh, uh, take on the last one, the last uh, trailer we'll look at. But this one, I feel like they used the same shot of Bruce Willis a couple times. <laughs> so maybe that's more evidence for your twist theory. Maybe showing more of him would uh, give away some sort of twist. But I don't know. I wasn't getting the twist vibe. I was just like, they've got... They're, they're like, we've paid all this money for Bruce Willis, and we're just going to slap him all over the trailer in random places to make sure everyone knows that Justin is going to go see this movie because it's got Bruce Willis in it. Well, uh, I agree. <laughs> I agree that that's part of it. But that's what I'm saying. If there wasn't something they were trying to conceal about the character, they could do that a lot easier. Maybe he dies early, or yeah, he's maybe. only in the last act or something. I have no idea. But, hey... I'm much like you. I think this would be a good summer action flick uh, to watch at home when it's too hot to go outside. Netflix and Hug. Third trailer. The Other Me is a quasi-sci-fi story executive produced by David Lynch. And that description is everything you need to know about it. So this trailer was also mildly confusing, but in a good way. So the premise seems to be this guy's eyes are degenerating and as they degenerate, he, his perception changes and he not, no longer just sees light. He's able to see a visual representation of a person's soul. But then, and this goes along with the title, there seems to be a parallel life he's living or something because he has a wife, but then there's some other woman he is trying to date or something. And later in the trailer, it seems like that version he sees of her is the version of her soul. So he sees her so beautiful because she has a beautiful soul. I don't know. It was a little confusing there. And then I thought there might've been a shot that was hinting that the, that girlfriend is actually a guy. I don't know. I don't know. It was, it was very interesting. Now, I did like the way it was shot, right? Like you could very easily make this a dark and dour naturalistic piece, but it seemed like it was shot in a very bright way intentionally to give it a dreamlike feel and a, an unrealistic feel. My main concern about this movie is that the pacing may be too slow for me. So again, this is one that I would give a chance on streaming because there's a lot I like here, but I'm not sure about the execution overall. Netflix and Hug. Netflix and Hug. Yeah, I think you're right, Justin. There's a lot to look at visually. Uh, but it does seem like it might be a plod. Or it might be just too confusing. I mean, the trailer's confusing. I worry that the movie is also going to be confusing. Right? Like, uh, I don't know. I... I there's a level of complexity that may only maybe only filmmakers could enjoy. And that's that's the worry I have. But it does look really interesting and it looks like it's going to kind of keep your attention visually. So I like you, I'm I'm willing to give it a chance. So I'm gonna Netflix and have this one as well. 
Netflix and Hug. Final trailer. Expired stars Ryan Cretan. I think I said that right from True Blood, who I haven't seen in a lot of stuff. So I'm glad he's getting a role again because I really liked him in True Blood. And, and Hugo Weaving, who we, of course, know from many things, including The Matrix. And it's interesting. I say The Matrix because this was sort of a cross between The Matrix and John Wick. It was almost like they want like this seems like it makes more sense to have Keanu Reeves star in this movie, especially with the <laughs> whole he's in like Japan or Hong Kong and he's dating an Asian woman. So this seems like this could be a Keanu Reeves movie. That said, I think the premise here is, is interesting. I'm not a big fan of like the demonization of corporations, although as we've seen, there are corrupt corporations. There are corporations who make bad decisions and try to take advantage of people. I don't know if this is a statement on corporations overall, but the idea seems to be that everyone's life is controlled and you can be made to die if you break the rules. And for some reason, this society is against love. And the main character played by Quitan is falling in love with a woman. And that's making his life lead to an earlier expiration. I'm not exactly sure Hugo Weaving's role. Uh, he seems sort of like a psychiatrist or psychologist type role uh, offering guidance to the main character. But still, the way this is shot, like I said, is, is very John Wick like love the colors. The premise is interesting. Uh, I would watch this in theaters. You know, I'm presuming there's not going to be anything else great going on around it. But this has John, it has major John Wick potential where John Wick was sort of under the radar. It didn't seem like it was going to be amazing, but it's on a franchise. Will this spawn a franchise? I don't know, but I think this could be a lot better than people would expect. Hug. Hug. Yeah, I got a very cyberpunk feel, obviously, uh, and it looks interesting. I, I, I think, uh, I think it's gonna. It's an interesting sci-fi premise, so you know, I'll, I'll be on all in for that. The only comment I have, negative comment, I feel like they used the same Hugo Weaving shot at least two times and possibly three times in the trailer. Well, maybe like he dies, or maybe shot. he's in the final act. Yeah, <laughs> same same excuse, right? Like, <laughs> I feel like they use the same cut, and and there was a a couple times where I think they they reuse the same establishing shot later, and so I wonder if the movie's not done yet, right? Like, this seems like one that you know a lot of the set must be like CGI or whatever, but like, uh, I don't know. Is this a movie in trouble? I don't know. I just got that vibe. Like maybe this movie isn't coming together. So I don't know. But uh, I'm going to give it a nice hug. Hug. That brings us to the end of our journey into the midside. What did we learn this trip? William? Well, uh, I learned that the more things uh, change, the more they stay the same. And, uh, no, I will not show you my COVID card. Justin, what did you learn? I learned that if I ever am attacked for not having a mask, and I mean verbally, I can just say I'm holding my breath and they have to leave me alone. Oh, wow. I think that's a life lesson we can all take. Yes. Advice from Eric Garcetti, mayor of Los Angeles. You didn't hear it from us. We just relayed the message want to thank you for listening so we could relay that message to you it's a very important message so thanks for listening as you always do glad to have you back for season 10 if you want to support the show you can do so by subscribing to midside minus 
You can do that through Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. The midside.com slash Patreon. The midside.com slash Locals. You can go to midside.com slash store. Pick up any of the merchandise there. I still think the Hale Snyder shirt is super cool. Maybe it's an old meme, but get used to it. I don't know why I said get used to it. That didn't make any sense. <laughs> and as always, the best way to grow the show is to tell a friend. Tell a friend about how excited you are about the new season being back. We're back. Season 10. Tell a friend. This concludes your journey into the midside. I'm Justin Emlesneski reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce. We're back, baby. Can I just say that this new closet, the light in it, is a motion sensor? So throughout the episode, the light keeps turning on and off, and I have to keep, like, raising my hands and, like, shaking my arms in the air to have the light stay on. Well, uh, you know, considering when we record live shows, how much you move around and, like, gesticulate, like, that's surprising that the light went off at all. I'm Italian. What do you want from me? (laughs) 